everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. In the last year, we've seen home values skyrocket. Great for sellers, not as good for buyers, especially first-time home buyers. Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida works to help potential homeowners reach their goals in a variety of ways. So to tell us how you can benefit from their services, I am happy to welcome President and CEO of NHSSF, Kim Henderson. Thank you for being with us today, Kim. Thank you for having me, Ellen. I know you've got an awful lot under your purview as CEO, but can you give us an overview of the services that Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida provides? Um, Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida is a community development organization that serves the region. We are a lender. We're a builder of affordable housing, and we are a housing and financial literacy educator. You've got a community transformation initiative. Is that part of the building or the reorganizing? Where does that fit in, and what are you doing with that? In many respects, it fits under the umbrella and the big top, so to speak, of our organization. Our community transformation is a set of activities where we work with communities to improve housing, both rental and ownership, basically to improve the built environment or the livability of the neighborhood. It relates closely to our community engagement process. And with community transformation, it's how we can work with community members to be self-advocates and also to take up leadership so that they can help their own communities become stronger. And basically what community transformation does is it explores that intersection between community development and other key sectors such as food security, clean energy, energy efficiency, resiliency, the arts. It can take many, many different avenues. It sounds a lot like what happened with Wynwood, which was a fairly poor community for quite some time. And then it went through this entire renovation. And now it's a center of arts and restaurants and, you know, a complete transformation. Yes, it is a complete transformation. What's happening in Wynwood right now is the prices are rapidly increasing to the point where regular working families would find it really difficult uh, to afford living there. So what our goal is, is to help communities bring amenities into their communities like shopping stores and grocery stores and repair shops, but not displacement. You know, our goal is to never be a factor that leads to displacement of existing residents. How do you choose the neighborhoods that you're going to work on, that you're going to transform? You know, it's very much a collaborative effort. 
we engage with communities either through invitation from that community or a group that represents that community, or it's through our work with local government. Uh, Most local governments have a housing or neighborhood department, and they have community development plans for the community. We look at those plans, and they typically will target neighborhoods that are vulnerable and neighborhoods where they want to increase the investment of public funds. An example of that would be Oakland Park, the 79th Street Corridor. Um, And an example of what we did was we were part of a coalition of nonprofit housing developers. And in our case, we developed uh, four single family homes and sold them to moderate income residents. This really makes a huge difference in people's lives and in the neighborhoods. What do you see after you've worked with the neighborhood and residents are now able to purchase homes? And I'm guessing you probably you know, encourage business where it becomes a place to not just live, but also to work and enjoy living. You know, Ellen, that's really true, and that's what we hope will happen, is that we improve the livability of communities, that our work as affordable housing developers, as an organization that goes in and rehabs uh, blighted buildings and structures, that it becomes a place that begins to attract more families and that more of them will want to own. Obviously, if you purchase a house in a neighborhood, you're an investor. You're investing your hard-earned money for a permanent home. Most of us are in those mortgages for a good 30 years. So we want to help in that process. And one of the things that we've seen as community developers is that once uh, neighbors begin to see people come in and buy, they'll think, well, maybe I should buy. Or when they see that the house has been refurbished or that we've put solar panels on or that we have hurricane, they'll begin to make those same investments as well. So it has that effect of encouraging the people around us to want to uh, make similar types of investments in the housing and to consider being an owner in those neighborhoods as opposed to a renter. And I would imagine it also gives people a sense of pride and ownership, and they want to take care of the neighborhood, be more involved in that. That's very true, and that's very insightful for you to say that. When you own, you want to protect your investment. You want to protect your home. So you're probably more likely to get involved with the neighborhood association. You might even form a block group. You begin to do things to build a sense of community. Look out for the other neighbor's children as well as your own, which again helps to improve the livability of a neighborhood. But what we see is that it's pride and it encourages others to do the same thing. And it also brings a sense of stability. Yeah. Uh, when, when you own, you're going to stay put. You're going to work with that local school district to get better, to give your children a great education. So that investment has a multiplier effect. And the thing that ownership does is it really gives you a built-in legacy that you can pass on to your children and they can pass on to their children. Right. 
I'm sure there are people who think there's no way I can ever get a mortgage, I can ever own a home, whether it's because they think they don't earn enough money or their credit rating isn't good enough. But you held recently a huge homeowner and home buyer expo called Housing the Future Together. Tell us about the event. I know people can still access information and how you work with those people who think they can't, but you help them see that they can. Yeah, a, a lot of people are misinformed about what it takes to own a home, and often they're not aware of the programs that are out there that can help them. So the housing fair, the housing expo was our way to bring all the education and all the resources to one location virtually, which, by the way, they can access from our website, which is nhssf.org. It's a way to basically have all of the providers of services in one location on one day at one time. You know, many of us have been told, oh, you should shop around for a loan. Well, that can be difficult to do. And it could also be, you know, a lot of us might feel pressured uh, by loan officers. So we just sort of go with whatever. Well, when you have all the loan officers there at once, you can go from booth to booth and get the information, understand how their programs work, and really select something that's going to work for you. If you're unsure of the process, we run the home buyer education certification class on that day, and it takes you from the beginning to the end of the home buying process, how to choose a realtor, how to choose a lender, what is the role of an inspector, what is the role of an appraiser, what are the local down payment and closing cost assistance programs that are out there, how do I look for bank assistance, how do I even analyze and evaluate bank-sponsored down payment assistance. So it provides all of that information at once, and it gives the prospective buyer a chance to learn and engage with loan officers and realtors without necessarily feeling that pressure. So that was really the inspiration for it, and we got really uh, great results. We had over 100 people just sign up for the home buyer education course itself. Oh, wonderful. And they get that certificate right. And with most community lending programs and down payment assistance programs, you can't close without that home buyer certificate. So for people that were sort of in the process and ready to go, they were able to get the certificate that day and at the same time benefit from the various learning opportunities that we had. We uh, also did programming for existing homeowners. We're really interested in seeing low and moderate income families engage in energy efficiency, renewable energy such as solar panels, solar hot water heaters, understand more about energy efficiency and water conservation. So we had a lot of seminars and information around those sorts of things because what that does is it helps your home ownership experience to be more affordable and more sustainable over time. Now, when you're not holding a huge event like this, and and I want to reiterate that People can access videos and watch this virtually. They're all over your website at nhssf.org. But in between expos, 
Aside from taking the classes, can people come to you and say, I need some guidance, and how can you help them under those circumstances? Absolutely, and that's something that we really welcome. We, obviously, with the pandemic, we had to move all of our services online. On a limited basis, we do have people come into the office. We have taken all the safety measures, and we do require that they wear a mask, but they can come in for one-on-one counseling. Eventually, we will return to doing our various learning sessions, whether it's our financial literacy classes or our home buyer class. We also do an orientation just to give people a brief overview of the process, and that's usually just about an hour. So eventually, we will bring people back into the office to do that. Right now, on a limited basis, we have some people come in, but we run the training virtually, and we do one-on-one counseling both in the office and virtually. And we also have what we call skip the trip. And that is where folks can, in a self-paced way, take the eight-hour homebuyer class, the money management class, and the foreclosure prevention class at their own pace with the computer. And there's a small charge for that. Are there minimum or maximum income requirements for someone to benefit from your services? That would be a mixed response to that. The majority of our services really are designed for people who make about 120% of area median income, which is 51000 So most of our customers probably make south of $100,000 because we are linking them to government programs that do have uh, pretty stringent income requirements. What I find is a lot of times people don't think that their income is within those requirements. And people might be surprised that very often they may qualify, maybe not as much as a family that has even less assets, but they may qualify. And even if they don't qualify for down payment assistance programs, the information that we give on the buying process is invaluable. And we do want to see more people, particularly our young millennials coming out of college, out of grad school, saddled with, you know, student loan debt, but at the same time trying to purchase and start families. We really want to work with those types of families as well. We do, not as much as we'd like to, but we want to work because the issue of being prepared really doesn't have any income attached to it. Most of us need more information, guidance, counseling that is done in a consumer-friendly way. Most of us need that. So we welcome all types of people to access our services. Yeah, I remember I took that class when I bought my first home, and it's invaluable because it is I don't want to scare people off, but there is a lot to purchasing a home and you're signing legal documents and committing yourself financially, uh, putting your home on the line and yourself on the line for a significant amount of money, even if you're buying a lower priced home. So it really is helpful. That's very true. For most families, buying a home is going to be the largest purchase they ever make. Right. Now, we've had this amazing boom in real estate prices, and this is really great for people who want to sell their homes. And remarkably, people are buying even at these high prices. But how is this impacting you and your clients' ability to become homeowners? 
it is having a, a negative impact. The market is very tight. There's really limited inventory, uh, particularly at price points below 300000 which is where most of our clients are purchasing at. And we're very concerned. We're, we're very, very concerned. But at the same time, we're probably busier than ever. Um, historically low interest rates has really actually increased the number of people who are able to think about becoming a homeowner. Mm. So we have more people than ever. It is a challenge to find a property that one can afford. But again, we have a lot of people looking and a lot of people hopeful that this will be their time to become a homeowner. And what I would say is that we have a tremendous amount of resources that are coming into the housing ownership market, both from the foundation sector and from the federal government. So now really is a good time to explore becoming a homeowner and to get prepared. In high-cost housing markets, it can take six months to a year to purchase because a lot of us have to work on our credit. Then once you do that, it's such a competitive housing market, it could take three to six months Mm. to find that house. And so We definitely recommend that if it's something people are considering, that they reach out to us and at a minimum take the orientation class. It's just one hour and we stay there as long as people have questions. So Mm. um, that's how we run that. Can you explain to someone who has never owned a home the benefits of home ownership versus renting? And are there circumstances where someone is better off renting? You know... Those of us who are sort of in this business and adjacent to it, such as my friends who are real estate agents and, you know, folks that follow these issues, there is certainly some people who probably shouldn't buy. I will tell you, as someone who has personally benefited greatly from home ownership, I'm just not in a position to tell anyone don't do it. Because the one thing that all of us will need is shelter. Mm -hmm. And as our income, you know, once you retire and you're not making or growing your income, the cost of housing still keeps going up. And so you have to ask yourself, how and where am I going to retire? And the model that has worked in this country for decades is most people buy a house, they pay it off, and then all they have to worry about is taxes and car payments and food, not housing, which for many of us is about 25000 to 35000 a year. So I'm a huge proponent of housing, of owning a house because of the wealth building aspects of it. Uh, Most homes will appreciate at least 5% each year. What we've seen in the last three years is that the houses have appreciated by 19% in Miami. So it's hard for me, largely because I have been doing this a long time and I grew up in a, a family very engaged in real estate. I think for regular people, it's one of the best ways to build wealth. But There are risks, obviously, and there are costs associated with owning. I think that um, if you have a stable source of income and you anticipate maintaining that stable source of income, then you really should consider 
purchasing. And also then you've got an asset. And as you're paying down your mortgage, you always have the option of using that asset if you need the equity in it for, you know, to send a child to college or if there's an emergency or a wedding, you know, whatever it is. So, and I have to tell you, with the prices where they are, the temptation is to sell. Got to sell while the prices are high. And as you're saying, you know, you look toward retirement, it makes me think, no, hold on to this because the Mm -hmm. equity will always be there. It will. And the thing is, you know, when people have said to me, so shouldn't I sell and shouldn't I cash out and all of that? My response is always, where are you going to go? Right. How can you buy it? (laughs) You know, if you can find a house, you know, then that's one thing. But but a lot of us, you know, it used to be the average tenure in a home was seven years. And we're seeing that go up and largely because uh, the cost of housing is not only rising rapidly in South Florida or the Bay Area of California, it is rising rapidly across the United States. Mm. And housing affordability as an issue is an issue for many major metropolitan areas across the world, because the reality is that the cost to construct housing is outpacing what most of us get in increases in our salaries each year. Mm. So it's a really complex and difficult topic But I think the answer almost always boils down to is if you can do it responsibly, uh, you should own. And I know for people that feel certain price points are out of their range, we're starting to say to our clients, be creative and flexible. Creative could mean, well, maybe you and your sister should purchase. Maybe you and your mom should purchase together. Being flexible means Maybe your first house is not going to be a single family detached with the little white picket fence. (laughs) It might be a townhouse or a condo. It may not be in sort of the hip neighborhood. You may be a little further out. But the thing is, is once you own, it's very difficult to push you out of your house. And we see here in Miami, you know, it's on the news where... A builder decides they want to turn an apartment building into luxury condos, and they give you 30, 60 days to get out. And, you know, you've been there sequestered under reasonable rent, and now you got to go back out into a market that is, generally speaking, much more expensive. So, you know, as a nonprofit organization, you mentioned you have resources. Are you ta- is that how you're funded with the resource, you know, government resources and other foundations that helps you do what you do? Yes, Neighborhood Housing Services is funded with a mix of funding. We're an affiliate of NeighborWorks America, and there are about 300 affiliates across the country and 14 affiliates in Florida and There are four affiliates in South Florida, and we do not the exact same, but very similar work. And we do get some funding from NeighborWorks America, but we're independent. We have to raise our funding, and we do, we are uh, funded by financial institutions or their related foundations. Um, And I, I should probably also pause to say that 
as an example with the housing fair, we were supported by the Miami-Dade Public Housing and Community Development Agency. We were supported by Commissioner Jean Monestine. We were supported by Bank of America, TD Bank, Citibank, Universal uh, Insurance. So we were able to put that event on because of the generous support of those funders. And um, we require that in an ongoing way. And so we either have fee-for-service arrangements where we earn income. We have the allocation from neighbor works. We have donors of um, foundations that fund us, like the Miami Foundation and the Community Foundation of Broward. And we also accept donations to include donations of real property from individuals. Uh, so regular people can hit the donation button and help support our programming. We operate in a pretty lean way. And, you know, most of that money goes to support the delivery of our services. And as a builder, we can earn commissions as a builder and also as a lender. And that's one way to support us, you know, uh, using our lending services, which have absolutely no income limit. So we can do loans for people as well. Wow. So those are examples of things that we do. You mentioned the Miami Foundation. This Thursday is Give Miami Day. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> do your pitch. <laughs> that, that is- Oh, thanks for that reminder. Yes, it is. And we participate every year. So we, you know, there's a Give Miami Day button and we ask, you know, for your generous support. And it would go to help create homeowners and to help us build affordable housing and including affordable rental housing, which we've moved into. But we are, you know, we're passionate about helping low and moderate income families to be on the path to prosperity. And the one way that we know that that happens is when you have worked on your credit and when you are moving towards uh, being able to own a home. And that is the heart of what we do. So we welcome your support at any dollar level. And there are power hours on Thursday. We have all of this on our website. There will be power hours where money that you donate to a particular organization in a particular category, for example, home buying, home improvement, or versus animals or health. Those are sort of broad categories. Each one has a power hour where your funds can be matched. So you definitely want to look at our website and find out the power hours. And remember, givemiamiday.org on Thursday or go directly to nhssf.org to find the Give Miami Day button. And that's really a way to make a permanent change for people. Uh, Yes, it is. Yeah. Now, how can someone reach out to you for assistance, information, services? Is the website best? Is it better that they call? What's your preference? We are comfortable with both calls and reaching out via our uh, website, which is nhssf.org, and uh, our phone number, 305-751-5511. We welcome uh, calls. I wanted to say uh, something you triggered a thought. One of my favorite customers came in and he said, you know, I came in with a 500 credit score and a year later I had a 700 credit score and the keys to my own home. 
it's such a simple but powerful statement. And, you know, even if you're not going to buy, there is power in a good credit score. Absolutely. You know, it, it, even with uh, landlords, they prefer to see that. Right. So we really want people to focus in on empowering themselves in the ways that they have the most control. You're actually not just transforming communities, you are transforming lives for good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's remarkable the work that you're doing. And I thank you for your time and for really working to help our communities improve and our people live happy lives and stable lives. So again, it's nhssf.org. Kim Henderson, President, CEO. Thank you for these explanations. It really helps. And I hope that we generate a lot of calls for you, particularly from people who thought they couldn't do it and now know that they can. Yes. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. Remember, Give Miami Day, Thursday, November 18th. All the info on our website. You can see which categories of nonprofits have power hours and when. And you can start looking now to see which nonprofits you are most interested and want to support. That does it for Community Focus today. We will be back next Sunday, same time, with another all-new edition of Community Focus. You have a great day.